You're listening to the Dive Bomb Podcast. G'day and welcome to episode 24 of the Dive Bomb Podcast. Houston, we have a battle. The U.S. Grand Prix race review for 2021 over here at the Dive Bomb Podcast. We had a little mix-up, obviously, with the uh, choice of cities. Uh, the We do know that Coda is in uh, Austin, Texas. However, we you know us with our, our meme titles. We had to go with uh, a good one. And Houston's in Texas. So, Houston, we have a battle. And uh, we, we did not fact check. We didn't fact check right away, but it's all good. This no, is, no, it was intentional. I don't know what you're talking about. Th- it just goes to show every time that you guys know we're not we're not experts. We're just here to it's our our favorite hobby, and we're gonna we're gonna continue to hopefully entertain you guys. And so, if, and if anyone argues, we can because we did <laughs> because we're Martin Brundle. So yeah, <laughs> as you've already heard, I'm here with my two co-hosts. Uh, live a couple days after the race, we've had some time to uh, digest, and hopefully gonna. Bring a nice review for you guys. So we got. Uh, I'll go to James first. James, how are we doing today? I'm usually Varun first, but we'll go alphabetical with a J. James, how are we? <laughs> oh, now I'm off with my game. At least we'll be in second, but <laughs> doing well. It's good. Get in Varun. Uh, Where'd you watch the race? You weren't here, so where were you? No, I was. Oh, you were here. It was oh, in the wow. afternoon. Oh, L. Yeah, big L. See, that's what happens when you give us a, a midday <laughs> yeah. race. It just screws up everything. It, I was going to try and think of what James normally says when he introduced himself since I went second and I couldn't <laughs> Drew playing. <laughs> off to a tough start. Off to, off to a tough start. <laughs> because enough we have a hockey playing in the background, full disclosure. It might take a bit away a bit of our attention, but... 100%. But we also, obviously, as the boys just mentioned, we had a little bit of a curveball thrown our way. We're not used to it over here in North America having the daytime race it was very weird to like not get up in the morning and have a coffee and formula oh, one yeah. on uh, i would on- honestly say i think i like the morning races better you can kind of just like it bridges the, the, the sunday morning. morning to nfl yes it's just like okay i have a six morning event and hockey watch, now and then hockey later yeah. in, the, in the day but it's just like that morning gap we ain't going to church we're no. trying to be here at the church formula one f1 <laughs> is our church exactly 3 p.m was weird because it's like I'm not it's, used to, to, to praying at that time. Yeah. It's like in the middle of the day, so you don't really have time to do something before if you wanted to, and after it's like 5 p.m., it's evening time, time get ready for the fucking work week or something. So. Yeah. It basically looks like midnight outside of 5 yeah. p.m. now. I was telling James when we left here, it was like, it was so weird because I was looking at the sky and I was imagining it being like a morning sky, but it was actually an evening sky, like sun setting but yeah i mean it's funny that we're we're uh complaining about this and yeah most no. of our viewership is from the uk so it's like they're like we watch races in the afternoon all the time i don't know what you guys are talking yeah. about but trust <laughs> me trust me it's weird and you guys would have had it i guess a little later in the evening so yeah, so uh been, up too. yeah it would have been like prime time almost i guess like 8 p.m or 7 30 p.m but um yeah it was really cool as well just to have that experience of like having it in the afternoon and We'll have to get used to it because the calendar for next season's been confirmed, and every if everything stays well here in Canada, we'll be definitely going to the Grand Prix on uh, the June nineteenth, twenty twenty two weekend. So they can't take it away from us. I'm saying it's just book it, book it. I'm book in it. my head, it's a hundred percent happening. So uh, that means get the I can tickets. do that. What get did Brundle say? I can. Do, I, I just can did that because I did, and it will. <laughs> <laughs> so we're obviously we've said it since we started this podcast. We're really excited to uh, get that underway, and just it's before coming. before we do get into the the news and the review, I think 
it's important to talk about like obviously North America being a newer market for the the UK based sport of of Formula One, and uh, this weekend was obviously a huge step um, to really. I mean, they broke records this weekend when it comes to attendance in North America in America specifically. Um, at the circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas and not Houston, Texas, Austin, <laughs> Texas. <laughs> and, um, you know, all the drivers are really raving about the support they've had over here, uh, in North America for the fa- the past, uh, you know, since Netflix really kind of took over, uh, with the drive to survive, uh, seasons and you see the growth. We we've kind of talked about it behind the scenes for, for months now, but the growth that we've seen in North America with this sport is absolutely mm. epic. And as North Americans ourselves, it's pretty awesome to see. And uh, just I'll just get your guys' quick take on. I know. I mean, the, what else is there really to say other than it's pretty exciting? And then, obviously, you see the clash of, um, you know, media are really. Javrin, you mentioned they they're really stretching to to try to get yeah. into this market as well. So there's some good things and some some. Well, I was gonna things. say like. First of all, we wouldn't even be here recording this if it wasn't for Netflix and yeah. them yeah. expanding to the North American market. So there's that. But also, yeah, I just like, I know they, they are obviously trying to like mix into the American culture and F1 together as much as they can when they come over here. But the one thing I, I didn't realize is how foreign of a sport basketball is to Brits because that's like the one thing I feel like I saw all weekend was them like shooting hoops with like ESPN and that they stuff. They were so bad. They're so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, like, I, I guess it makes sense because it's like, I mean, it's it's a bit huge sport in America. It's a little less popular in Canada, but it's probably nowhere near anyone's the top of anyone's mind over across the pond. So yeah, yeah, it was just fun. Oh, it was hilarious to see them doing it for sure. I mean, not to not to take anything away from race car drivers because again, we we uh, praise them all the time here. But it's such a different sport, racing yeah. compared to like basketball or hockey oh or football. My like God, yes, they don't even they didn't even look coordinated shooting yeah. basketball. Oh yeah, and then they can drive. No, I mean obviously if you put an NBA player in a Formula One car, they would probably oh kill, man, kill just look at like so. Jimmy Butler like race driving with around Lando. With, with Lando yeah. and just shitting himself. So yeah. yeah, I guess it goes both ways for sure. One hundred percent. James, your take on the uh, expansion? Well, I think Mattel said it perfectly. We were the prime examples of of that happening. So. Yeah, I feel like... And we're like the best, po- best least known podcast out there, so that's saying something. Yeah, my award actually came in the mail. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it Most was... Improved. A- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Most awards. Improved. Most Improved co-host. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, anyways, we're just the perfect example of it expanding in North America, and I think it's hugely in part by Netflix. Yeah, for sure, and I think um, one thing that's interesting, just to contrast, like, Canada and the US like I think the Canadian Grand Prix has always been like relatively popular like the circuit itself has been popular and I know yeah there's been like a decent following and obviously there's two Canadian drivers on the I grid think with so the name as well like um, oh yeah circuit the Gilles Villeneuve yeah he's for like, sure he's like a legend and the wall of legends there yeah uh, the yeah exactly. so there there's a little bit more there so it'll be exciting to see like I feel like we're gonna break records next June too yeah. the way I always see the Canadian Grand Prix versus the U.S. one is like the Canadian one is like one of the historical Grand Prix because it's always been in Montreal. It's always been at that circuit. So it's like one of the, the pure parts of F1, kind of like Silverstone or like Monza or something like that. Whereas in the U.S., like it switched circuits a number of times. Like I think we just checked. It's been they've been racing at Coda since 2012. But before that, they were at a different circuit. And, and yeah. for, there was a few years where they didn't even have a U.S. Grand Prix. So that's how it contrasts the two Grand Prix. Yeah, for sure. And it'll be interesting to see like what the attendance, uh, 
like results are in Canada next year as well as like the two American Grand Prix. See how we do in Miami, Miami. and I just think it's gonna be keep getting better and better. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I'm really excited for what the future holds for this sport. I think it's a good investment. Um, all in all, and it's just yeah, obviously one of our favorite sports. Mini helmets. <laughs> it's max mini helmet <laughs> investment. It's about it. It's a sure thing. Um, yeah, so are you? have you got yours yet? Have you got the little card or anything? No. Not yet, eh? No, it's, it's, it's going to be shipping out for uh, in December, so it'll be like oh, okay. a nice little Christmas present for myself. Nice, thanks, nice, James. nice. Yeah, James, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, in, other ru- in other news in the newsroom, the Dive Bomb newsroom, we had uh, Daniel Ricardo cashing in on his Monza win and driving nice. his Dale Earnhardt oh, yeah. uh, car. That was really cool to see. I used to watch nascar like when i was a kid Mm -hmm. and dale earnhardt was the rival of my favorite driver who was jeff gordon when i was a kid and uh obviously he like passed away like way too soon and him not being around is pretty pretty weird but seeing like daniel drive his car is like really it's kind of cool for me just because when i was a kid i used to watch nascar a lot and obviously that car there was like from the 80s i think so i never seen that one but um it's just black car though is iconic yeah and like this helmet the open rick's helmet was amazing with the classic dale like open face as well yeah yeah and uh yeah he had the uh american uh, mo mustache going on yeah uh so that was really cool his helmet first of all all the helmets that were made this weekend were amazing Uh, but danny rick's one paying homage to um dale dale senior yeah. was fantastic yeah it was so sick it looked awesome yeah all the electric like the the lightning in the back oh, it was, yeah it was awesome super cool and they had um uh like just what you said there james like all the drivers had really cool helmets yeah. this weekend yeah, they like, know had, the grid <laughs> that yeah. had new helmets well like that's the one thing they always love to do is like uh pay tribute to special races or whenever there's something cool yeah. going on and I think going across the pond to the U.S. is, like, one of the biggest... There's so much, like, culture to just, like, try and, uh, try and like, I guess, uh, honor when you come over here. And yeah. Especially, like, for these Brits, like, they must have so much fun with it. Just, like, being as American as possible yeah. with Danny Rick with the Mo and, like, everyone just rocking the cowboy hats and stuff. So. Yeah, for sure. And one thing to mention, too, is, um, you know, we talk about, obviously, Senna being legend that the like, obviously was taken way too soon in formula one but yeah one thing that a lot of people that might not not be north american re- don't realize is that like dale earnhardt was literally yeah. senna before like i mean he died after senna but like he was the face of nascar and like yeah. motorsports really it was such like that actually in the u.s looked so harmless too yeah yeah. It looks so hard. Well, it just shows how safety's how much safety's come, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. And a lot of uh, not to get into it too much detail, but a lot of his accident had to do with like the fact that Dale was like an old school racer and like mm-hmm. he wasn't taking to the new safety measures. Like he still wore the open face helmet. Mm-hmm. He's he never wore the Hans device. Yeah. So like you see that kind He's of like, stuff. Like that stuff saves lives, and unfortunately, like it lot. That's why he died was not having those stuff on. So, anyways, not to get too into it, but just what I want to mention there is obviously like you got like a lot of people in the world of Formula One are like you know so highly regarding of Senna, but in the in North America and motorsports in general, like you can argue that he's probably the most influential like mm-hmm. racer of all time in in North America. So, yeah. yeah, and it's cool that they both have that like McLaren link because obviously Senna famous legendary mclaren driver and then dale earnhardt's car like being owned by mclaren ceo yeah, zach, yeah, brown, zach yeah. brown so yeah for sure 
Um, yeah, so super cool um, event there. And I don't think there was too much else. Well, when we were on the topic of Netflix, I was going to say Max oh, yes. snubbing Netflix. Max snubbing. Well, we want to get James's take on that because one thing I want to say about that. So obviously, if you haven't heard, Max Verstappen is no longer participating in the newest season of Drive to Survive. He's just like done with the drama and stuff, which... I mean, I kind of understand he's looking for his first title. There's a lot of pressure on him right now. He kind of just wants to put it behind him. Um, one thing that I, I wanted to say that I'll obviously want to get James's take on because he's a big Max boy is like, I feel like Max's personality or Max's persona is like not for everybody. Like, I, I don't know if, mm-hmm. like, I respect Max as a driver, but I don't know if I'm a fan of like him as a personality. Like, I think. He, his personality is not as likable as like other drivers on the grid. Like, I think it's like takes, you really have to be a fan of him. Like you really have to like him to like him. You either like him or hate him. I feel like, I feel like he's very polarizing. Yeah. Do you agree? Or do you? No, not really. I feel like it's just a lot of beef with him and Lewis fans that it just makes one side seem like it's like 50% of the crowd hate him and the other side. Yeah. I don't think he's very polarizing. I think he's hilarious. Like some of the videos that him and Danny Rick have, like they're always joking around. Yeah. Well, it's I'm, hel- I could have a damn, damn Yeah, damn I feel like Danny Rick is the one. Like, but anyways. Well, him and Lando, it took them half a season to come out of their shells. True, so true. I'm just saying, like, him him and Danny Rick are always joking around laughing. He's always making jokes as well. Yeah. The, when, the, when they told him about, like, the survey, the global survey, he's like, uh, my career is completed. Like, I can I can just retire now. I, I thought that was, like, it's just a really, I guess, dry. He's dry. That's what I was going to say. Maybe polarizing is yeah. the wrong word. It makes it too it's, negative. It's more, it, he's it's very, like, cold. Just, like, he's cold. It's probably just, like, Dutch humor. Yeah, it could be. Could it's be. just like how Valtteri's just like very soft spoken, and the Finns are just like they have that very like sarcastic nature, but yeah. their delivery is just very monotone. Max could just be how Euro he is. Yes, that's yeah. True. I think Max Max is a very focused driver. He's focused on yeah trying to get his first championship. But I agree with Aaron. I think because of how focused he is right now, and obviously maybe it'll change. Like Lewis has seven championships under his belt, so maybe that helps him be a little bit looser. And Max is obviously not there, so um, yeah. But I agree. He's like a bit of his like. When he tries to um, get involved in like the entertainment aspect of the sport, seems a little bit forced and like mm-hmm. um, a bit, yeah, a bit like not really. Uh, I don't know. You just feel feel it a bit in your gut that he's trying a little bit hard. And then yeah. um, for him, like I'll just give my take on like this thing. Like I, I personally don't like the decision. I think like I understand what he's saying for sure. That Netflix, like we all know, they they build up those uh, fake rivalries. We learned that after watching our first season. But, like, at the same time, everyone knows that. So, it's, like, just go with it. Um, it's for entertainment. It's to grow the sport. It's for your own good, like, um, sponsorship, fans, all that stuff. And everyone has to deal with it. I think him doing this is kind of just, like, in bad taste a little bit. Uh, I'm sure Lewis could just as easily argue that they paint him in a bad light or, like, b- make fake rivalry. So, and the one thing I'll say is, like... I'll, all these people, you know, like I've seen overwhelming support for Max's decision, Max's decision on this. But imagine if Lewis had done this. Like I feel like he would have got absolutely flamed for making that decision. So it's just, it's just in my opinion, a bit of a double standard. But uh, it is what it is. And James, um, back to you. First of all, I think Lewis loves the camera way too much to turn it down. So I don't think that would ever would have happened in the first place. I mean, he loves using media as like a spotlight to put on like very social justice stuff so it's like it's for the better most of the time but anyways with max like he literally just i feel like he in the media they just blow things out of proportion so often that you've seen him in press conferences he's like i need you to stop saying this or i'm gonna headbutt someone like he is such like a mental mention when it comes to media 
So anything he says, they're just going to blow it in proportion. He's like, if I just separate myself from this TV show, it will, like, hopefully cut out some of the shit that I'll have to deal with later on. So he's just kind of, like, thinking ahead. He's like, I know they're going to yeah. blow something in proportion. But I agree with you completely. It takes away from your fans. Like, I would love to see behind the scenes of him on Drive to Survive. Like, you're less excited for it. Oh, yeah, exactly. Not that I, I would love to see him in it. Yeah, I, exactly. I, but I see his points why he would want to pull out. I think, and like... Uh, also, though, if Lewis left, I don't think he would have been blown up, though. At all. I feel like people would have accepted his fact. Well, Lewis, one thing just before you guys get back to your... Uh, I'm going to get in the middle of you guys here, but <laughs> before you get back to it here is, like, Lewis is... I believe there's actually, like, parts of his contract where he doesn't have to make, like, media appearances because he's... Oh, yeah. One of the least drivers that's, that's like, on Drive to Survive, you barely see him to begin yeah. with. So that's, like... I feel like that's a little Mercedes. In Mercedes in general. I don't know if it's just Lewis, but, like... He, and when you look at a lot of the stuff F1 comes out with, like, he's barely in, like, the quizzing things that, like, you see a lot of Danny in it. You see a lot of, like, the other drivers in it. But, yeah, I feel like if you if you don't want to do it, there's ways out of it. But it's also, like, I feel like as a sportsman, like, it's something you sign up for. Like, you... Oh, to deal with the media. You, you deal with the media. And, yeah, yeah. You, you hit the nail on the head, James. Like, he just has a very short leash when it comes to media. Like, oh, yeah. That's, that's what it is. He just, yeah. he just hates the questions because he probably hears it in, like, three different languages over and over and over again. Yeah. And he's just like, I'm just tired of it. So, by separating himself, I feel like he's assuming he's going to have to – less storylines. He's going to have to answer the same questions, too. Yeah. He's still – again, I, I agree with Mattel, though. Like, I don't like the fact because, like, I would love to see him. Mm. Yeah. In, in the show I would love to see it regardless if it's fake or not it's just it's fantastic so especially in this season too with what a battle he's had with Lewis like it, it would be phenomenal to see him but well he's gonna be in it like obviously for the first yeah. half and but stuff but none of the interviews and stuff is what, yeah. but that's the and that's the a good part of it yeah for sure we'll see what Netflix makes of it like when it comes maybe out maybe they'll give time, time to George this year <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he'll be excited for that um, yeah. thanks Max <laughs> for sure more time for George, which is, we're good with that. Um, but yeah, either way, we're, we're, I mean, no one's gonna not watch it. I feel like everyone's still gonna watch it. It's just, yeah, yeah, a little bit of a shame. He's obviously, like, if not the most popular driver by the vote, but he's gotta be top two, and he's obviously fighting for his first title right now. Yeah. So everyone wants a piece of him, uh, and, you know, everyone wants to know what he's thinking and everything like that. So I'm sure we'll still get lots of Red Bull input. So, yeah. and Max's input probably wouldn't be too much different. Cause like yeah, James someone said, else who loves the camera is Christian Horner. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah. He does love the camera. <laughs> he gives, he does so many interviews during the race. Too. That's why he married the spice girl. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, he knows the cameras will be pointed out. Yeah. So yeah, that's a long newsroom chat, but I think that's a good, good thing to get. Let us know, uh, in the comments on our Instagram, what you guys think of Max, um, out of the out of the Netflix uh, series, well, I wonder too if he'll end up probably just like cooling off and then maybe jumping back in in a couple of years because I don't think see this series going anywhere. So I feel like in a few years maybe they'll he'll have a change of change of heart, but we'll, yeah. we shall see. We should just like draw a statistic of how many mini helmets he could have sold <laughs> if he was on this season or not. Send it to Yos and he'll be yeah. like, oh baby. <laughs> um, yeah, so getting into the weekend, uh, we had a hot, hot, hot weekend in uh, Austin, Texas. One of the hottest we've seen in a while as a lot of the uh, UK uh, climates we've had. Obviously, a lot of rain. We've had like, some cold weekends. So getting back over and to the place where it's always summer in Austin, Texas. In Texas. In Texas was uh, very interesting to see. So we had uh, that, the first big storyline when it comes to that is obviously tires. And when you think of 
rubber burning. That's obviously a big thing for the strategies that we're going to, that we were going to be seeing this weekend. So right from the start, right from FP1, we kind of knew that this was going to be a two-stop race and that brought in a lot of different strategy, not only for Sunday, but for practices and also for qualifying to make sure that these guys had enough tires to get them through the weekend. Uh, So that was pretty interesting. And one of the things that maybe made for me anyways, it made watching uh, practice a little more interesting because we were actually seeing and hearing some interesting technical side of things, not just like made up like filler, like normal Mm -hmm. when we watch practices and qualities. Um, So that was, that was going to be an always uh, interesting part of this weekend. Uh, To start off, we were seeing, uh, kind of what we expected, which was Mercedes being the quicker of the two top two teams. And then the rest of the grid kind of fell in order. Um, Williams had a really tough weekend from the get go so that nothing much changed there, but everyone else pretty much fell in order. Um, and Ferrari also is worth a mention just from the start, like they've had the upgrade in their power unit and they've looked quicker than McLaren in the last few races. So the last five races, uh, coming down to the wire here, we're going to see a tight battle oh, yeah. for that P3 and the constructors. Um, but yeah, back to the battle at the top. After FP1, we were kind of thinking that Mercedes might be the dominant force this weekend. But come FP2, FP3 and qualifying, the the script was flipped. And uh, didn't Red need Bull, no Netflix. No, didn't need no Netflix. Not when I'm... I'm literally telling a story right now. It's like better than Netflix. <laughs> but we um, saw the Red Bull Honda just come out extremely extremely quick and um basically you know Checo was fastest in fp2 and fp3 and he was blazing fast in qualities as well and we were thinking he was on for pole uh so i think this is one of those weekends where we've talked about before on the pod that um you know saturdays for Checo aren't normally his mm-hmm. strong suit but this Saturday was absolutely awesome for him and a big step in the right direction. If he can keep this kind of form up on Saturday, boys. Um, the first question I'll ask you guys is if you think if he does keep this form up, obviously, you know, fighting for poles is a little extreme, but let's say Checo Checo can put it in the top six, top yeah, five, like no matter what, do you guys see uh Red Bull possibly coming back and winning the constructors title too by the end Ooh. of the year? Okay, so we have Five races left. Five races to go. I... And about a 23-point deficit. I'm going to say this is totally... Uh, yeah, there's no ab- actual like statistical analysis behind this. I'm <laughs> just going to go with 30% chance they do. 30% chance? But I think that's a generous 30. Like The deficit they're at right now and five races left, Like we don't have a whole lot of runway left, but they're, they do seem to be on the upwards trend Like in terms of they're both cars performing well yep. uh, compared to earlier in the season. So... Um, and all it takes is like, I mean, I say it all the time, but like a couple, imagine like a two DNF, I was gonna DNF say, race from Mercedes. That would like bring your 30, easily. that would bring your 30% up to probably like a 70% oh my God, or yeah. 80%. Yeah. Oh. The 30% is assuming all four cars qualify mm-hmm. or classify in every race. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll say 30. I agree with that. If all four cars classify, I may, that's a generous 30. I would maybe yeah. give it like 20, but cause if you realistically, if all four cars classify, like you're going to look at. Probably Mercedes double podium and then maybe Checo in there and then they would have to get like a marginal advantage in points. So 
yeah, it would be tough if they all come to back. Uh, they all classify, but well, Jim, don't discount. Sorry, we got Mexico coming up. Checo's home race, so yeah, that's why I need the extra ten percent right there. That took me took me from uh twenty to thirty. So yeah, <laughs> certainly. My and, one question is, how many more engines? Does Valtteri Bottas get? <laughs> does that, he go to double how, digits? How, yeah, how many engines does he get? Because if he averages another engine per race for the rest of the year, I think we got it all day. <laughs> <laughs> We're going Red Bull. We I, got, think, uh, I think at that stage, Mercedes would be in a big financial hole if they didn't win the construction. <laughs> yeah, the so, cost cap would be yeah. uh, very tight. They literally have to weigh like... They would have much, to start billing Alfa Romeo. How for much benefit life. do they get by giving Valtteri a new engine, but then losing the constructors? <laughs> <laughs> Total Wolf is just going to do double time at Williams He's gonna and Mercedes. management accounting 1005 and try to figure it out himself. Yeah. Um, you just take ethics on how to treat, yeah. treat Valtteri. <laughs> if, but the the one thing I was going to say is all it takes, it's definitely going to take a DNF or two for Mercedes because I feel like Valtteri and Lewis are just so on point the last few uh, weeks that it's going to take something uh, failure related or crash related to get uh, Red Bull in it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, having Sergio up there does not hurt. Yeah, for sure. And and now it's like more of a possibility, obviously, than it's a what they've been needing. Exactly. Than what we've been looking at uh, a couple weeks ago. So, um, yeah, as I mentioned, like the falling in order, uh, this track, we have, this is our first time watching a live event, uh, like on TV here. The last time they were there was 2019, which is obviously before our uh, fanfare began. And um, yeah, the falling in order was basically like, crazy when you look at the qualifying sheet we saw like max lewis p1 p2 max pulling off uh just edging checo and then lewis just edging checo at the end for the uh top three and then we had valtteri p4 and then we had the two ferraris the two mclarens the two alpha towers the um alpine of ocon with the Aston of vettel and just kind of like literally if you look down the constructors uh, it was very, very falling in order for qualifying. And um, take a guess at who were the last two. Um, yeah, <laughs> Nikita. See you later. The home races. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, qualies. Other than that, not much mentioned. But it was a really cool circuit to watch qualies oh, on. Yeah. Uh, it was very hard for them to get like make sure they had the right tire wear. And also an interesting thing was seeing uh, who could get through to Q three on the media uh, or sorry Q two. Get through Q2 on the me gyms, as Paul DeResta says, uh, because that was an important thing with the tire, the two-stop strategy is to be starting on the, the me gyms, uh, the medium <laughs> the medium tire, uh, because they obviously last a lot longer than the softs here. The softs were only due for like 8 to 12 laps around this circuit with this kind of temperature this weekend. So uh, the only two that ended up making it through to Q3 on softs were Carlos in the Ferrari and Yuki in the second alpha. So they were in for a, a tough first stint and um, yeah, so we'll get right into the race boys. Obviously one of the most iconic turn ones in formula one, the uphill um, left-hander. left-hander that goes right into downhill uh, row of S's. And um, it was one where we were bound to see some, some shifting and, probably some contact. So we did see both of those things. We saw Lewis take an early jump, an early start um, down the inside of Max and he broke perfectly down the corner and had a really nice getaway. It was probably one of the cleanest ones he's had in a long time, yeah. uh, especially this season. So from there, obviously we saw the that Max and Checo were on the hunt. And again, going back to Checo being up there, like that gave Red Bull options. When it comes to... 
um, what they were going to do for strategy and having both cars there hunting Lewis was a really cool thing to see strategy wise. Like we, we don't normally see that. It's usually one Red Bull being max against two, two Mercedes. So, uh, yeah, as we also mentioned, Valtteri had a, had an engine penalty for his sixth engine of the year. (laughs) So he was dropped down, uh, to the bottom half of the top 10. Um, and then also on turn one, we did have some contact. As mentioned, we had Lance Stroll and uh, Nicholas Satifi, the two Canadians, come together in turn one. Uh, I believe it was kind of done because of a Haas impact, someone hitting into them. But anyways, uh, kind of a tough spin out, just kind of ending the race of both of those guys early. Um, and it was all about strategy from there. The overtaking... Well, the, the, the lap one battle between... The McLarens and signs was sick. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Oh that. yes. You can't skip over that. Just had a couple like after the orange S's. sharks just nipping at piranhas. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Well, I was getting to that, but I, that was uh, you got to jump all over that right now. But the soft tire on Carlos, that was what where I was going to was the strategies for there. They knew they were gonna have a tough stint, and like you said, James, that Ferrari Carlos on the softs like right away was he was having a very tough time on the soft tire. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we had Lando and Daniel just like weaving and literally look like sharp sharks, like weaving in and out, in and out of Carlos. Carlos um, did some really nice defending considering how much oh, slower he looked yeah. uh, in that, in the Ferrari, but and for being outnumbered as well, for sure. Yeah. The two on one. Um, I mean, the fact that none of them came together, like on that first lap was pretty crazy out of those three cars. But it was very, like, uh, very cool driving, very nice driving to see. And we saw Daniel eventually get by Carlos uh, with a little bit of a mix-up, which a lot of the the drama that came from the middle part of this race had to do with, like, letting people by and track limits and stuff. So they had a part where we thought Lando should have been given a position to Carlos or from Carlos. And then it was Daniel who got let through. And then eventually Carlos also had to let Lando through. And then he overtook Lando again. Um, so quite interesting. I guess we'll kind of shut the book on those penalties or like almost penalties there. So that was the first incident. Yeah, then we also first had... First of many. <laughs> first of many. We had the hilarious incident of the Alpine um, pit wall talking to Michael Massey oh when, when um, uh, Fernando and Alonso, I think it was midway through the race... Um, push Kimi Raikkonen wide and then Kimi ended up like going off the track but when he got back on the track he was still in front of Fernando so yeah Varun if you want to just talk about the message like oh yeah it was, it was just we I think like when the radio first came on we were listening to it pretty intently because we thought it would be something serious like but we didn't realize it was the uh Renault sporting director just being all like sarcastic he's like so just to confirm uh it's okay to overtake off the track and then we have Michael Massey come back at him like, no, it's not okay. Straight voice. Too. Yeah, straight <laughs> voice. All of them just, <laughs> it was it was almost like deadpan humor in a way. And then, uh, yeah, the sporting director comes back. It's like, well, Raikkonen's just done it. So it's okay for Raikkonen. And then Michael Massey's like, no, it's not okay for anyone. <laughs> yeah, basically, he's <laughs> like, if your name's Kimi Raikkonen, can you do it? Yeah. No. <laughs> Nobody can. But yeah, we, we had a good chuckle out of that. Yeah. And it's just, uh, you know, I'm sure Michael Massey being the... Uh, what is his title? Race director. Race director, yeah. yeah. Deals with that stuff all, all the time. Uh, so it's, Exactly. Yeah. I was yeah. going to say, like, that was one of the most raw pieces of, of uh, like, 
content or that we've seen during a race in a long time like i feel like we get like kind of radio messages that are always like we might make fun of them for being like the wrong time or something but that was just raw and just hilarious that was so damn and you could hear like the the both the like anger in the alpine crew members voice and then also just like the straight like get away from me and the michael massey's yeah it's just frustration get off my he sounded like a dad yeah like tired of his like yeah can i have another bang of skittles <laughs> yeah he's like no. no what if my name's kimmy raikkonen no no more skittles for you for anyone <laughs> nobody gets any more skittles <laughs> uh shout out to halloween this weekend we had to make a candy yeah. joke at some point <laughs> but yeah no so we had a couple incidents like that so we had like fernando was seemed to be a part of all of them uh he was part of a, a uh the same kind of occurrence with antonio giovanazzi i believe twice um with the same kind of thing people going outside uh off the track and then back on the track and then kind of having to give the position back so that happened a couple times um we won't count that as overtaking though and there wasn't really much overtaking i think a lot of people expected a little bit more overtaking but this circuit is just so hard on the tires especially this weekend like catching was one thing but overtaking was another and that was basically the main story of this race and when you talk about the battle for the the front there, we had obviously Lewis made his good start and then the Red Bull team pulled Max Verstappen in super early for the uh, undercut strategy. It was very, very aggressive. Probably one of the most aggressive strategy calls we've seen this year. And honestly, I was for sure thinking there's no way oh, yeah. that they would uh, be able to make it work, but they pulled him in early. Lewis ended up going a little longer uh, and coming in. Max got the position back and then the same thing happened again on the second stint and we were even more worried on the second stint for Max's tires because they were like eight or nine laps I think it was eight laps older than Lewis's and um, seeing the work that Max did and we, we title other episodes like Super Max and stuff like that but like he literally did not put a foot wrong this weekend uh, their pit stops were good he pitted uh, he came in at uh, the perfect time and ended up also just like nursing those tires like his teammate Checo does like just so well um worth worth a note too with his teammate Checo did not have water since the first lap of the race and they talked about the driver of the day being Max and like obviously he was absolutely epic to drive the drive he did and get the win but with the heat that they were uh they had at, for this race mm-hmm. I definitely say afterwards knowing that Checo had no water and like he was saying he was like he had no uh like he couldn't like feel his hands and his feet he had no power in them like a by lap 20 and he still managed to finish the race on the podium i would definitely give him the driver of the day after that because wow what a what a drive i want spongebob inside (laughs) and saying 100% agree with you aaron because man because that could have been uh like a terrible loss of points for red bull like imagine if you had to retire for like medical reasons or whatever yeah yeah i'm obviously not saying like drivers should be forced themselves like in a dangerous situation but the fact that he did it and like yeah he he said like his family was in the crowd too and like that helped him and like just the atmosphere i couldn't imagine like just in the texas heat obviously he's from mexico so maybe he's a little bit uh used to it or um can deal with the heat a little bit better than other drivers maybe like imagine if it was valtteri from finland Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> or Nikita. Yeah, or Nikita. But yeah, I know that's absolutely insane. Like Max obviously getting the credit for the win, but Sergio 
getting a big haul of points on in third place with no water. Yeah. Crazy. Water. <laughs> SpongeBob needs water. <laughs> so, yeah, it was absolutely amazing to see uh, those two drivers, and I would say driver of the day for Sergio just because of that. Oh, but yeah, also, when you put it that way, I agree. Yeah, with you. I yeah. never even thought about. It. Well, we didn't know. We also to didn't its know its extent. Yeah, yeah, yeah you didn't. He got, know. he got the Kimi Raikkonen treatment. He did for sure. Um, and yeah, he was exhausted. Like afterwards, he could barely like get up on the podium and stuff. So, um, good to see him. Red Bull. Probably he's he said his hardest race ever, and I would totally agree. Like can't even imagine how hot that was. I'm just mad that his uh, engineer didn't take the opportunity to tell him, Checo, you will not have the drink, <laughs> <laughs> but you will have a Red Bull after the race. Yes. <laughs> so he certainly did, and they both certainly did, ending up on the podium. Uh, as we mentioned, like Max with just the perfect race as well. Don't take anything away from him. He had some full water, but he needed that full water to do what he did. Lewis ends up hunting him down and as we were watching everyone knew that it was going to come down to those last five or six laps where lewis could catch and try to overtake max um the last part of that battle was definitely uh, one where we expect we had a little unexpected guest in the battle and that was a schumacher and not the schumacher that's used to fighting at the top but his son mick schumacher and uh he was getting lapped up coming up to the last few laps of the race and he ends up like being a part of the battle between Max and Lewis. And he slowed down Max a little bit through the second sector of a lap and then ended up giving Max DRS in the main straight. Um, and then for some reason, Lewis was right there and he didn't have DRS. So I'm still wondering about that. If anyone, if anyone knows why Lewis didn't get DRS there as well. Um, but I'm sure you guys know what we mean. How interesting was that seeing mick be such a good part of that battle yeah. and he did yeah. all the right things he didn't he didn't get in the way as really. soon as he got the orders both times he did exactly what he yeah. was supposed to which is crazy but yeah yeah like you said aaron really confused about the lack of drs there because that easily could have changed the race like um i mean it would have given lewis an actual chance to overtake yeah with exactly that, well because we knew the whole lap was coming like once he gets into drs then mm-hmm. um, and he was he and he was, was within yeah. it and then obviously Max got it as well, like you said, with um, Schumacher being there, but... Yeah, so that basically made the last two laps of the race, like, Lewis was now out of DRS zone, or range, so there was just no chance, and again, you can't fault, you can't fault, like, you can't say, like, oh, Max didn't do it on his own, like, he definitely drove away from Lewis enough there and kept the distance and stuff, and, like, you gotta give kudos to Max there, but... It would have been very interesting to at least see like one opportunity of Lewis um, trying trying to, to once he caught up to Max like actually being able to try to um, to overtake him. Uh, so yeah, to finish off the podium, we had Shaquille O'Neal <laughs> yeah. come in on the big. What a what a truck he comes uh, in on! What man. the fuck was that thing? We talk about the uh, <laughs> some cringy parts of the United States being part of it, but yeah, it was very interesting to see like the Texas Longhorn like supermobile. Everything bigger in taste. Yeah, so they had the uh, the trophy brought up by Shaq, and then um, they had the Red Bull crew like sitting in the Texas Longhorn like cruiser as they were on the podium so it was kind of cool also seeing like the fans and everyone rush the podium was really really cool to see all the mexican flags as well for checo the chubby mexican guy in the suit like checo's sponsor was just like <laughs> carlos slim yeah he was, he was probably the happiest person that earth, i sure. actually think he was like christmas morning for him yeah, too. he can give millions to checo but he can't find a fit 
or suit that fits. Yeah, he was all. He definitely also had a couple beers during the race because yeah. he was just glowing. I was say, what are you talking about? That's the monster fit right there. That's exactly. Yeah, what you exactly yeah it's to true. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, the short arms for the yeah. short man for sure. And Shaquille O'Neal needed like a permanent AC unit because that man was sweating. Oh, oh yeah, the podium. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say they needed like a negative podium for him too, because he was taller than Lewis. <laughs> yeah. They need to give him a couple steps down so that he could actually not just overshadow the entire podium. <laughs> he gave Max the trophy and looked him in the eye. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you're, mate, you're standing four feet on a step right now. <laughs> yeah, for any UK fans who've never seen Shaquille O'Neal before, I imagine yeah. that was an awakening. That There's was a lot of memes thing. about it where like they made Shaq like massive and then everyone else even yeah. smaller. Well, I was thinking like, imagine the champagne bottle. That's probably like a regular size bottle to him. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like a, it's bottle. like a Dasani water bottle yeah. for him. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so that was the top half of the grid. Obviously, we'll talk about the implications of that for the driver's standings at the end of the episode. But uh, moving moving down the grid, uh, it seems like there's these races where you know more time more often than not we have this driver that finishes p4 and they're just like they don't really aren't really shown on tv they're just like on their own island for the race we i i call it in my head it's like the pierre gasly spot like where he just like no one really sees him but he just has like a really good race and finishes like p4 p5 but that was for uh charles i feel like checo did that a lot last season where he wouldn't really see much of him and he just like finished p4 and he'd be like oh i should have bet on that should have been on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was Charles this weekend. We didn't really see a lot of him on the, the no, coverage. Not at all. But one of those guys where, like, you know he doesn't have the pace to fight really for the win. But to finish um, uh, 52 seconds back from the leader and only 10 seconds back from P3, uh, just absolutely awesome drive from him. Uh, clinical, clinical drive. Uh, good pit stops from, from the his side of the garage as well. So... Good to see Charles with a nice P4 finish. Uh, he hasn't really had like a clean race weekend, I feel like, where we don't really hear much from him. There's always, there's usually something uh, that comes up. So it was good to see True. him see him have a nice clean P4 this week. Um, and we also had Daniel P5, another good weekend for him. We mentioned during the race that like all of a sudden since Monza, we've just seen Daniel just now be a staple again in that top three battle. Like, for the constructors and battling with the Ferraris and he's no longer battling with like Alpines and Aston oh, Martins. I feel like it was just a mental battle. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Battling with himself. Yeah, he finally got that result and you can just kind of like grip the wheel a little bit less tight. Yeah. The, the uh, monkeys off his back and yeah. driving the Earnhardt car probably made yeah, that, him. That helmet definitely gave him an extra KPH down the street. A couple KPH. He finished in front of Valtteri as well, which is another impressive thing. Finishing in front of a Mercedes, uh, Valtteri comes home in P6 kind of a quiet race room too not as much overtaking yeah. as we thought obviously the tires are a big thing here there was and a late late overtake on signs as well that yep. gave him that spot for sure and uh, yeah so there we go Valtteri finishing P6 and then as James mentioned Carlos finishing P7 which was kind of unfortunate for him because he had a really mm-hmm. nice recovery drive I feel like he deserved better yeah especially since he started on the, the softs um, he was able to um, go a little bit longer than people expected on the softs, and then he unfortunately, just get by Daniel. no, he had the he couldn't get by Daniel, and then he had the slow pit stop, and that yeah. lost him the position yep. for good. Uh, from Daniel, I think I think he actually said that they had him uh on the undercut. They had Daniel on the undercut, but the slow pit stop obviously pushed him back. Uh, Lando not impressed with he was not impressed with his day coming home in P eight. Obviously, for his standards this year, it's. A little off but finishing in the points you can't really be too upset Lando you gotta 
keep going. I know you're listening to the podcast, so you got to keep going. <laughs> you're having, having a great year. Driver of the year uh, up there for sure. We talked about it in our mid-season episode. The boy next door has my vote. The boy next door. I mean, with the race, if he stays on this form, two points a race, for sure, he's going to win the driver's championship. Um, Yuki Sonoda comes home. The boy next door, James has mentioned. Uh, he also had a first stint on the softs that was longer than people expected. And he also had a really nice um, defensive stint uh, to begin the race, similar to what he was doing with Lewis. He was doing that again. I believe it was with Valtteri this time, another Mercedes, uh, also with the McLarens as well. So he had a really nice race starting on the softs, as I mentioned, was a harder thing to do. So uh, him being able to manage that first stint well and then come home in P9 was a really nice result for Yuki. And he's come on in the last few races, for sure. We've seen a little bit more of him, which is nice. Uh, Seb Vettel, from starting from the back of the grid, P17, all the way to P10 for a nice um, nice race for him. We didn't really see a lot of like extremely nice pace from the Astons. They were kind of like yeah, in the midfield. So disappointing this year. They have been, for sure. I think next year will be like a, a big telltale if they're actually like real or fake here in this sport. But... Um, yeah, Vettel coming home P10 when they, they showed a little bit more pace at this track than a lot of the other tracks we've seen this year, but, um, there was still some, he's been, he's led the overtakes number of overtakes this season. And obviously that, that will happen when you, uh, qualify in like the bottom half of the grid and you're a four-time world champion, you're obviously going to be hopefully doing some overtaking. So P10 to finish off the points with Sebastian, um, then we had Giovinazzi, who honestly had a decent race as well. A lot of battles. He was right on the cusp mm-hmm. of points. Both Alfa Romeos were actually... Kimi uh, would have been in the points if he didn't spin out on one of the final laps. Uh, so he was com- he came home P13 with Lance just ahead of him in P12. Again, he's had a tough year, and James mentioned it there. The Astons have just been tough to tough to watch this year, but next year will be I think will be a better year for them. Um, and I'm... Sure, if you've listened to our predictions video or our video or podcast, we both, I think all of us talked about Aston as being like one of the top teams or maybe even was going to battle for P3 because of how good Racing Point was last year. But oh, and they've just fallen. Fallen off for sure. But also, I feel like for next year, I'm not going to change that prediction too much. I feel like they're going to be right in there. So mm-hmm. uh, stay tuned for that, obviously, in the offseason. Uh, mentioned earlier, the Williams boys had a tough go. Um, coming home 14th, 15th with Mick just behind in 16th and then Nikita in 17th, both two laps down. So Nikita still the report on him. He still has not beat his personal best. He's still lower than, uh, uh, Kubica. And at one point he was losing to a car that was already out of the race. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Alonso, I think. yeah Alonso retired with a, with a back, uh, wing damage and he was, <laughs> he losing. was still ahead of Mazepin for the longest time for a couple laps for sure. It was funny or one whole lap at least. Um, yeah. It's so, like when you're playing Mario Kart and buddy finishes the race and you're just driving, driving. And it's like, holy hell, how have I still <laughs> not finished? And got, uh, and your buddy's just been like back to the, gone to the fridge, grabbed the beer Came back, sat down, you're still not done. That's, yeah. that's Alonzo sitting in the garage. He's like, how is Masbin still on past me? Yet? Humbling, humbling. <laughs> Masbin needs some power-ups in order to get up to the yeah. ground. To, right? He needs a bullet. A bullet or a star or something yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, so we had the three DNFs for this race. were the two Alpines. Uh, both had a tough weekend. And then Pierre Gasly, who also had a tough weekend. Right, Even before they got to the grid, they were looking at his car and it wasn't looking good. So unfortunately, he had to retire early in the race. Uh, after only 14 laps. 
Um, so yeah, we, I want to go around to the three of us with a couple questions just to end things off. I think we covered it pretty well there. I think we got everything up and down the grid. So, um, before I do that though, we'll give a quick update, obviously on the drivers, uh, and constructors standing. So we had, everyone knows we got Max and Lewis right there, 12 points, separate them with five races to go. If you guys haven't seen the graphic that was posted up on our partners, uh, Instagram page project dive bomb. They posted a really cool clip of art of like half the half the photo being Max and half the photo being Lewis, where they're like kind of sharing a face, and it looks really cool to see like the face off that we're gonna have, kind of like a UFC type uh, poster that was been posted. So definitely go check that out. It's pretty cool uh, work done there. And we have Valtteri who is in P three with one hundred and eighty five points. Uh, the movement this weekend would have pretty much just been Checo uh, being one point now ahead of Lando and Charles now being uh, six points, or I guess five and a half points clear of Carlos. Um, and the rest of it st- stayed pretty much the same. When it comes to the constructor standings, we kind of already mentioned it earlier, but there's a chance Red Bull now, they're within striking distance of that P1, but that battle we all want to see, same as last season, is that P3. We got McLaren and then the new upgraded power unit of the Ferrari coming together for that P3. Uh, See who will win. We got a four-point battle there, or three-and-a-half-point battle there for P3. Um, yeah, guys, so I want to finish off with a couple questions for the boys. Uh, first question being, who will win the Mexican Grand Prix on November 7th? Checo Perez. Checo Perez, no hesitation from James. Checo Perez. I'm going to go with Daniel Ricardo. Oh my god. I, my, my, my legitimate answer what? though is is Lewis Hamilton. I think Lewis is gonna swing back. Uh, no, I was saying legitimate. I'm I'm asking you guys legitimate. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I You're I going think, Danny Rick? I think if you give me a second option, I'll I'll take Chip Perez. Like, I mean, realistically all of the signs point to it being either one of Max or Lewis. But I just think, you know, we still have five races to go. We can't just have those two winning every race left. I think Mexico is gonna be our last opportunity to see someone other than those two win a race and then the final four are just going to be back and forth between those two running out the championship but i think it was enough it wasn't enough sorry for daniel to win one race i think it's just like gonna be one of those things where like you wait all season after he's having a tough time to win one race then he just comes out of nowhere and wins two i love that um for me i'm gonna go max verstappen i know the lot there's a lot of really tight corners that the Red Bull are going to be good in, I feel like, for Mexico. So I got Max Verstappen taking more of a lead in the constructors. Or, sorry, in the driver's standing. So it's going to be an exciting last five races. And we are pumped to keep the reviews coming out for you guys. So thanks for the continued support. Uh, the U.S. Grand Prix was pretty decent Grand Prix, I'd say. Yeah, thanks, Houston. Thanks, Houston. Well. Thanks, Houston, Austin. <laughs> it's been uh, great to see the support uh in the north america obviously us here are loving it we've mentioned that so keep the support coming over here in north america and we will see you in mexico hola hola